All right, we're here at Direct Line Media. Thanks to my friend Dave. This is Feeney Talks with Friends, and I'm here with my first guest, Matt Dix. How you doing, Feeney? What's up, Matt? Thanks for coming. My pleasure. We're sitting six feet apart. Yep. <laughs> Keeping that distance. Uh, I'm just happy that I can be here. I, I met with Dave last week. We talked about what I do and some of my things that I do for the community and my organization, Friends of Feeney, nonprofit. And then on my way out, I said, hey, can I be the one asking questions? And here I am. So you're my first guest. How do you feel about that? It's an honor. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm happy you're here. Uh -huh. You're a colleague. You know, you're a friend, sort yeah. of, <laughs> <laughs> depending on what the conversation is. Uh, you know, you, you got me into storytelling, something I've never would have done before unless I met you. You got me in a book. It's true. I'm a character in a book. Read this book, The Perfect Comeback of Carolyn Jacobs by Matt Dix. Good stuff. Pages you, one and four. You know you're in the new one too, right? I know. I haven't seen it yet. That's because you have to read the book, Feeney. <laughs> I know that's a challenge for you, but yeah, you got to read the words on the page. I only read the books that I'm in. But the story-worthy book is good too. I like that one. I will be checking out. I tried to skim it while you had the tester of your new book. It's um, 21 Truths. I thought I could skim it and find my page, and I could not. So I guess I will be making that purchase. Yeah, you probably should. When your friend publishes a book, <laughs> you're supposed to buy it. That's the way that works. I was a little offended that, you know, another coworker of mine was the main character. I mean, can we talk about that? Why couldn't I be a main character? If that's what you want to talk about. <laughs> you know, I like my main characters to be three-dimensional. So once you can develop that third dimension, maybe we can get you into a book in a good, good. more meaningful way. Should we keep him nameless? I think he has enough pub. You mean that Steve guy... Browse? <laughs> Man, you just had to say it, didn't you? My next book coming out in November, Erica Newfang is the star of that oh, book. Another yeah. colleague. Yeah. Throw me in the back somewhere. You know, and actually my third novel, Donna Gosk, Teacher Extraordinaire, she was the star of that book. Oh, no, that one's fantastic. Yeah. I went around and got autographs from everyone in that book. Donna Gosk, Newfang, uh, Callie McGinn was there. Uh, it's a collector's Otana item. Vera, maybe. It's going to be famous. Right? I'm gonna, this is going to be in the museum someday. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, thanks for being here. We'll talk about, we, we got through that already, what makes us connected. Um, We'll talk about your favorite teacher, your favorite friend. Um, if you want to talk about how you supported Friends of Feeney, you, you are a sponsor, a t-shirt sponsor for two parades. Uh, I really appreciate your support. You marched in the Park Road Parade with us. I think your kids had a good time. Yeah, they think? had a great time. They had a better time than I did. <laughs> <laughs> and it went to a good cause. We helped uh, a student in our school that had a tragedy. So thank you again. Your, your money went to that family. Um, I can't thank you enough. Again, support, even though you ride me sometimes of, you call me Mr. Freeney. Yep. <laughs> All right, we'll leave that one alone. Mm -hmm. So go ahead. Do you have a favorite teacher moment? Do I have a favorite teacher moment? As a teacher or a teacher who was teaching me? Which one? Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Let's do, uh, kidding. Let's do... Favorite teacher first, when you were a kid? Oh, I had a lot of favorite teachers because I grew up in a place where school was like home for me, as home wasn't home. You know, I guess my best teacher moment was Mr. Campo Piano. 
uh, my senior year of high school, I was, I kept getting kicked out of his house. After I graduated from high school, my parents were kicking me out and I had to take care of myself. So during my senior year, while most of my friends were counting down the days, you know, we had on chalkboard back then, they had the number of days left and they would erase it every day and it gets smaller and smaller and everyone would cheer. I would dread every countdown number because it meant I had to go find a place to live and find a way to eat. So, you know, school was a place that was good for me, was safe, and I liked to learn. That was the thing that saved me because it didn't mean anything to me otherwise. I never thought I'd go to college. You know, my grades didn't matter. Nobody cared. But I really liked to learn. So in my senior year, I was in Mr. Campo's uh, English class. I was in a class full of people who were definitely going to college, but I was not. So I'd sit in the back and just create trouble. But in November, he taught us about satire, you know, mm -hmm. make fun of Being people. Being a wise guy, yeah. Yeah, and I loved it, so I studied it. I read all the stuff. I remember reading Gulliver's Travels, and I loved it. I just thought it was great. So then I went and I wrote my assignment. I did a satire, and I thought it was the best thing that had ever been written in all of American letters. Like, it was just brilliant. Handed it in. He came back a couple days later. He put it on my desk. said, B minus on it. I still have the assignment. He said, not satire, too obvious. And I was so mad. So I charged to the front of the room to confront him. He's, uh, he still teaches to this day. I know him well. He, comes to my, he came to my first book reading for my first novel 10 years ago. Wow. And uh, he's short and he's bald. You know, those guys tend to come <laughs> in one of two forms. They're either yep. funny or they're angry. Yep. Uh, he's the angry version of short and bald. So when I told him he was wrong, we went at it in front of a bunch of kids who had never really seen a kid and a teacher, you know, shout at each other. So the room got really quiet. And then uh, he stopped me. He said, fine, you read it to the class. He said, if the class thinks it's satire, your B minus becomes an A minus. But if they agree with me that it's too obvious, your B minus becomes a C minus which was the first teaching lesson I'd ever gotten, which is raise the stakes on kids. And so I said, sure, let's do this. So I stood in front of the class. I started reading it. I was two sentences in when the girl who I loved for all of my high school career started laughing. And that's, that's, that's all that matters. <laughs> that's it. That's it. And then the whole class started laughing. And uh, when I finished, he said, raise your hand if you think it was satire. And every hand, including his, went up. He said wasn't satire on the page, but when you read it out loud, you're so sarcastic, you brought yeah. it to life. And so that changed my life, that moment, because three things happen in that moment. First, I make a girl laugh. It's basically why I write to this day. I still write to make my wife laugh, to convince her to, to not leave me. Uh, I made a teacher look dumb, you know, made an authority figure look like a fool. That doesn't happen very often in life. We think we do it, but it really did happen yeah. that day. But mostly what I discovered was I changed my future through writing. A little bit, I changed a B minus to an A minus, which probably didn't even change the grade on the report card. But for me, a kid with no future, a kid who was genuinely worried about where would I live and how would I eat in a few months, I suddenly thought I wrote something and it made a difference. So I started writing that day. I have not missed a day in my entire life since that day writing. And that next Monday morning, I opened the first business of my life. I started writing term papers for my classmates. I charged $50 for an untyped term paper and 100 for a typed one, and I bought my first car with the money I made from my writing business. So it was my first paid writing gig. But that was it. That changed my life because I started writing. It took me 17 years after that to publish my first novel. So it took a long time and a lot of practice, but that moment. Yeah, just think about it. Embarrassed the teacher, yep. made the girl laugh, yep. and then you started making money. Yeah. 
All from riding. And then you get a car. What else do you need? And yeah. you have wheels. A 78 Chevy Malibu. I bought it for 100 bucks. Can't yeah. beat it. Can't beat it. That's great. We have that connection about the not the questionable high school and not where knowing what to do. You know, think that's what we have that common interest or that common background. Say, you know, because I joined the National Guard because of that same reason. Didn't know, not the best student. Didn't know some friends are going to college, some weren't. But I know I connect with you with that. And then also, did you call him Mr. C? Because that that name had like. Four syllables. Mr. Campo Piano. Yeah. He became Mr. Campo. Com- got it. Yeah, Mr. Got Campo. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. I was thinking that. that you have to be Mr. C or Mr. Campo with yeah. a name like that. Yeah, he's a great guy. I dedicated my first book to him. Amazing that he's still teaching. Yeah, well, I haven't checked on him in two years, but two years ago he was still teaching. So, yeah. Yeah, a bunch of my former teachers are still teaching. I stay in touch with them. That's awesome. And then you blog every morning, too. So your writing continues. Not only do you write... You, know, you started making money doing term papers, and then now you blog every single day. Yeah, I, I write a blog. It's been... Uh, a lot of satire in those, too. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, I've written every day since 2005 on my blog. So I've posted every day since 2005. Before that, before I had a blog, I was writing journals. I've got stacks of journals in my house. Actually, early on in the internet, in 1990, before the internet really existed, there were BBSs, they were bulletin board systems, they were localized internet. And my friends were all guys in college studying computer, computer programming. So I was invested in the internet extremely early on. And so we used to write a he said, he said column. My buddy and I would take a different points of view. And we'd publish it on this BBS, which had about 120 people on the BBS. So it was like an internet for 120 people. And then eventually he said, this is stupid. I'm quitting. So I took both sides. I, started, I kept writing, he said, he said, but I'd write both sides of the argument because I was so desperate to just write stuff, you know? So I would write newsletters and zines. I don't know if you remember that. No. I don't know what a BBS is or the zines. Yeah. Can the people that were listening or, or following along, can they chime in and give you responses on what you're writing or was it just simply watch you guys go back and forth he said on the bbs you could put a comment yes the zines were uh zine is for magazine but it was you'd basically write a newsletter or your own personal magazine which didn't look like a magazine it was like a one sheet but you'd mail it to a mailing list so there was a time when i had a mailing list of about 300 people who once a month i would mail them my zine and they would pay me a dollar and so I, I was doing that for a long time. And I'm, I've always been a letter writer, so I would just write letters to people. That would be the way that I would write on a given day. So, so every day I wrote something. Yeah, write a couple Zs and make some bucks. Yeah. So you've been making money from writing. Listen, hear that, kids? <laughs> you can make money from writing. That's a lot easier today now. I mean, if I could have been making movies when I was 20 on my iPhone, I would have been doing that. I talk to kids all the time. Today, I talk to my class about becoming content creators instead of content, content consumers. Most people sit and watch things that people make and read things that people yeah. make and eat food that people make and you know, use the technology that people invent and they just take it all in like sponges. And I talk to my students today about how you've got to find something that you can make because there's nothing better in the world than making up something in your head and then having people pay for it. That is the most amazing feeling. And what do you think of, I always hear that, and then someone says, think about it, Sharknado was a hit. Yeah. Someone made a movie of Sharknado. And people watched it, and it got paid. Yeah. 
I mean, even the fact, you know, I have a lot of jobs, you know, no, of teaching course. and writing is just a couple of them. But, you know, back in 2011, I went to New York and started performing, telling stories on stages in New York for The Moth and then other organizations, storytelling. I just stand on stage and tell a story from my life. And that was less than 10 years ago now. And it is an enormous part of my income and it's an enormous part of my professional life. You know, until COVID hit, I was on stages constantly. Yeah. And I teach storytelling and I, it's become business strategy and communications and all of that. So like, you never know what's going to happen. You never know what door is gonna open. But yeah, it's amazing what you're able to do these days. I didn't, now that, now that you say that, I had such a rush telling the story at Speak Up, and then I got a check for 50 bucks. <laughs> and I go, wow. You know, like you said, getting paid to write, I got paid to tell a story. I was like a professional storyteller that day. Yeah. So knowing that, I invited my friends and I said, I'll pay for you guys because I know I'm getting this 50 bucks. So they think I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm bringing my friends in from New Haven. They're like, oh, Feeney's going to pay for me. Uh -huh. Not knowing I'm using that 50 bucks that you're going to give me. But anyway, point being, you're getting paid for putting out a product or a story or a writing. Content. Content. Yes. That's the word. Content. I will be putting out more content. That's yes. why I'm here. I don't know. Maybe this will content. lead something. My wife and I have a podcast, you know, Speak Up Storytelling, and we started it just to sort of put out storytelling instruction, which is something we love. And I can't tell you how many opportunities have resulted from that. Now, do you feel how I'm kind of feeling now, nervous, unsure, and just want to go out and do it your first couple? Or did you, you weren't immediately confident or, or your different story? What do yeah. you think? Be honest, go. I've... <laughs> I know your story, I know you, are, you have a great following now, but you obviously built that, right? Yeah. I, you know, I am not a person who you should emulate in terms of confidence because yep. I am a overly confident, perpetually confident person. You know, my, my therapist, I have PTSD, so I, I see a therapist and um, he's explained to me the concept of ego strength, which I had never heard before. And I have enormous amounts of ego strength. He said to me recently, he said, was there ever a time in your life when you thought like, oh, I won't be able to do that thing? Like, I, I'm not sure if I'd be able to do it. And I said, no, why would I think like that? I said, I, I thought maybe there might be too many barriers for me to overcome, but I always thought I was capable of doing it if people would get out of my way. So for me, I always have been confident, you know, uh, sometimes to my detriment, but that's not the case for many people. I do say that regardless of your confidence level, you have to just jump in. You know, say the, yes. Yeah, say yes. The book I'm writing right now is called Someday is Today, which is the idea that most people say to themselves or say to other people that someday they're going to do this or that. And then what usually happens is they die having done none of it. That is almost always the case. People have enormous dreams in their lives. They fail to pursue them, usually because they're afraid or because they're waiting for the right moment, which is really they're afraid, instead of just jumping in and immediately doing that thing. So yeah. you need to just do it immediately. Do it messy, do it wrong, you know, don't, don't let perfection be the thing that you're trying to attain in order to begin something. You just start. Just start it. All right. I appreciate that. I'll take that for, you know, uh, advice for the day on this situation that I'm doing right now. So thank yes. you. I was on your podcast. Yes, you were. Speak up. I want to say 54, 60-ish, <laughs> but it was a great one. Thank and I you. was also, um, could you 
you tell you play the story and you kind of critique it. Yes. Every every show you pick one because you have so many because you have about eight storytellers a month uh, at the speak up. So and you have accumulated years of that. How many years now? Uh, our company has been in business since 2013. So All right, so seven years. Seven years of content once a month times that by eight. You know, so there's, that's a lot of stories. And then you pick them and you critique them on the podcast, and that's great. And then you have two different Alicia, and you may not agree on, the, you know, on it or not, and then you have that discussion and that dialogue, and people get a kick out of that. It's funny. It's been great. You know, the funniest thing that's happened is, you know, we have people who listen all over the world now, and I can't tell you how many people email us to tell us that they listen to us as a married couple and use the way that we disagree as an example for their relationship. So many people have said that they've learned to disagree in a loving and respectful way by listening to us disagree on our podcast, which I never expected to happen. And I think it's a little ridiculous, but if we can be helpful in that regard, that's a great thing. As long as you have a listener. And I think to your point, tone is important, how you say it, not what you say. And I think you guys never really raise a voice or you stay I've been there. I was there. I saw it live. It's, it's funny and it's cool. Um, no, good stuff. Yeah, you're right. Tone is important. I, I did a podcast for years, and I still do it occasionally with another person, Rachel Leventhal-Weiner, who's a West Hartford person, uh, called Boy Versus Girl, and we would debate gender topics. And there were moments when Rachel and I would really get heated, and I thought those were the best moments on the podcast. But a lot of listeners said that made us really feel uncomfortable uh-huh. as the two of you were really angry at each other. Was it spiteful? Was it just... No, I just would believe that she was completely misguided and wrong, and she would similarly believe that I was misguided and wrong, and sometimes we'd get rather heated, and I just thought, this is the best. This is the best part of the podcast. It was never good for her either, though. We'd finish recording, and she'd be, like, all upset. And, you know, for me, I love fighting. You know, I love fighting (laughs) with words or with fists, really. I don't do the fists anymore uh, unless I need to, but uh, I love trying to hurt people with words. And so... You could be good at it at times. Yeah. I may or may not have felt a couple of wraths. Yeah, I think you know, that sometimes happens. I could take them. Uh-huh. Well, it's not my best quality. You know, it's useful in certain circumstances, but you don't really need to hurt yourself. How about friends. on the golf course? Well, yes, the golf course is a great place to hurt people with words. Yeah. Yep. Been there. Felt mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. I can give it back, though. Mm-hmm. I try anyway. So you got the favorite teacher. Yep. Mr. C. Or no, Mr. Campo. Campo. Made money. Made a girl laugh. Yeah. Bought a car. Changed my life. Got paid. Yep. Or made money. Yep. yep. Changed your life. And you haven't uh-huh. been, you've been writing ever since. I have. Yeah. And you have a book coming out? I have another book coming out in November. It's my sixth novel and my seventh book. What's is it the follow up to Storyworthy? Or no, no, it's the other mother. It's a novel. Yeah. Is it where the kid has this crazy disease and thinks his mother died and was replaced by someone else? Am I giving it away? Should That's I give the it book away? In don't give any more than that. All but right. yeah, that's, yeah. I like that It's a good book. We're so about crazy, it. it's going to work. Mm-hmm. I like it. Thanks. It would be great if Feeney, like, Eric Feeney's walking down the sidewalk, and it'd he be, waves at the main character. It'd be nice if you read it. <laughs> Why don't you read the last one? The last one, 21 Truths About Love. Deal. Deal. Okay. I will make, for, for you coming on my first episode of Feeney Talks with Friends, 
I'm going to read that book. That's great. And I, my, my next podcast, I'm going to give it a review. You couldn't just read it. You had to like get something. <laughs> it's a book written entirely in lists. It's just list after list after list. Oh. It's a book made for you. I'm a big Short list Short attention guy. span, easy to read. You should see my computer. Post it, post it, yeah, post it. That's what it is. Oh, great. Cross off. Feel completed. Mm-hmm. Cross yeah. off. Mm-hmm. Show it's a West Hartford book. It takes place all in West Hartford. Even better. Yeah. So does that um, Bodo, imaginary friend. Budo. Budo, Budo, Bodo, yes. Budo. The pumpkin church was, that was the seller on me. Uh, you know, had me hooked, the pumpkin church, because uh-huh. I live right there. And Budo was going to, I'm taking Wood Pond uh-huh. and cr- went by the church with all the pumpkins. And yep. I was like, man, I, where can, he was. I see that. Boom. That was very cool. <laughs> and it took place at Woke at School, too. So that had a lot to do with it. It's easy to write locations if you know them really well. I've invented a town for only one of my books, and it's the one book that didn't publish. So I've learned my lesson. Do they all take place in West Harvard? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, the one... Something missing, the guy stealing things? Yeah, that's... Uh, West, I mean, West Hartford, Newington, that, that area that I live in. Uh, one of my books, The Perfect Comeback of Caroline Jacobs, that takes place in my hometown, Blackstone, Massachusetts, but it's still it's a town I know. Gotcha. All right, segue. Since you brought up Massachusetts, you're wearing a Patriots hat. Your boy TB12, you want to talk about that? Sorry that he's gone. I'm a season ticket holder for almost 20 years now. Since he came on board is when I started attending games. I'm not happy about it. Some may think you're going to still, you're going to root for him to fail or somewhat succeed and be all right. What do you think? How do you feel? Well, I recognize that my emotions are going to change. Right now, I'm hoping he fails. I love him. I recognize the fact that uh, players move on sometimes, and it's a business. I'm going to think of it like Joe Montana or Jerry Rice. They both played on other teams at the end of their careers. Uh, They're still thought of as 49ers. So when Tom's done wasting his time in Tampa Bay, hopefully failing miserably, And he comes back to Gillette and gets inducted into the Patriots Hall of Fame and into the Canton Hall of Fame. He'll be a Patriot. But right now I'm pretty angry about it, especially because Gronk went with him. The combination of the two is not acceptable for me as a Patriot fan right now. Yeah, there's some people in Massachusetts crying. Yeah, well, we're not crying. We just want to kill someone. (laughs) So I want to kill someone right now. But I got to tell you, our new quarterback, Stidham, he's going to be great. We believe in Bill Belichick. If I had a choice between Brady or Belichick over the last 20 years, I would have taken Belichick. And so I wow. got the guy that I still need standing on the sidelines. I'll be there. I don't know if I'm going to be there this year, depending on how COVID goes. I don't know if I'm actually going to be at games or not. That's I'm true. a little worried about that. But we'll see. I know he got Jimmy G paid. He got another quarterback that filled in a big contract. He went Matt on. Castle. There we go. Yep. I knew you would know. I was there the That's day the Brady Belichick system. Hurt. Yeah. He knows how to find He gets him people paid. Him. Yep. So you have confidence in this Stedman kid? Stedman. Stedman. Yeah. He's going to be great. I hope. <laughs> I hope. Yeah. Yeah. So we can talk friends. I know you have, oh, speaking of Patriots, you go with your friends. I went there. You have a good network of friends. They, they're good cooks. Um, oh, my Patriot friends. Patriot yeah. friends. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Shep well, and Tony. Shep. Shep and Tony, yeah. And then Shep has made the book a few times, too. Shep is... uh, He's definitely in Story Worthy. Yeah, he's one of my closest friends. Uh, 
I met Shep because I own a wedding DJ company, so I DJ weddings. I DJed Shep's wedding. The marriage did not last, but our friendship persisted. Uh, so he's been my friend for more than 20 years now. He's, uh, he's a great person. He's the first reader of every single thing that I write. I send books to my friends chapter by chapter. Certain people get to read my books as I write them. And I send it to Shep and to Alicia first, my wife. Alicia does not read my books quickly. Sometimes she doesn't even get to them. But <laughs> Shep reads every chapter within 24 hours and gives me feedback every time. He's my first and ideal reader. So he's been really important to me. And he's my Patriot seatmate. We sit next to each other. Section 335, row 24, seats 5 and 6. So we've been Good sitting deal. next to each Good other. Deal. For, yeah. And Tony's his cousin. And so uh, Tony and Shep and I and then a, an assortment of other characters go to games with Was us. Was Tony the chef? Tony's the chef. Yep. Yep. I give him 20 bucks. He feeds me for the day. It's the best food I ever get all year. It's incredible. <laughs> we bring a TV. We set it up in the parking lot. We watch the early game. Uh, we've got heaters, and easy ups. It's a nice setup. I'll yep. miss it this year if COVID keeps us from going to the games. That's yeah. going to be killing everybody. Baseball. Yep. Basketball. It's not good. We're going to get through it, though. It's going to be great when it comes we'll back. We'll get through this together. Six feet apart, but together, sure. <laughs> good deal. Good yeah. deal. But I got some good friends. I'm very lucky. Good. Well, I don't know. We can wrap it up here. Thank you for coming on. What, what, oh, hold on. Do you want to talk a little Friends of Feeney? How, how do you feel about that? You support it. <laughs> <laughs> you volunteer, support, sponsor. Well, I'll tell you, Feeney, uh, what you're doing now is great. I happen to know some of the families that you have helped personally, and I some of the things that those folks have had to deal with, not good. You know, it's just unthinkable, some of the things that the families who you help um, have had to go through. So I think that uh, the mission is good. I think that your, um, your drive is excellent. I have to say that although I find your constant request for free things offensive and absolutely in need of correction, when you run a nonprofit, I gotta say the one time when you need to have your hand out all the time is when you're running a nonprofit on behalf of other people. So in most circumstances of your life, I find you incredibly irritating when you constantly ask for free things. But when it comes to Friends of Feeney, there's no one better than that Feeney hand hanging out saying, give me some stuff because it's gonna go to someone else. So for that, I got to say that quality in that one instance is good. And so your work you're doing is good and we're happy to support you. I appreciate that. And hey, speak the truth, Matt. I appreciate that. <laughs> I couldn't rebuttal, but who, who needs to? It goes to a good cause. Um, like I said, you supported families that need it and you've donated your speak up um, classes for a raffle. You've donated money for uh, t-shirt sponsors and i'm grateful for that and i will be continue to ask yeah well no i asked you to I asked you to be here today yeah you did i'm gonna ask you to sponsor down the road in the midst of a pandemic i may ask you to, for a ride home <laughs> <laughs> save on gas it's free uh-huh yeah we're gonna end right there it was a one it was a joy to be here direct line media thank you so much dave uh thank you matt we have some guests coming up Chuck Minahan, financial advisor, uh, Rob Alicon, lawyer, crossfitter, rock star, uh, Giuseppe Consoli, electrician, sneakerhead. 
So be on the lookout down the road. Oh, Feeney talks with friends. There. Chuck didn't get much there, and I know Chuck. Wow. Oh, Chuck Minahan. Chuck Minahan will talk about who's a better teacher, Mr. Dix or Mr. Feeney. That, that'll be interesting. I'd like to hear that we one. We both had Connor. Oh, you had, the, you had both. You had two Minahans. I had, yeah. I, I had the pleasure of You have the third one coming through. Maybe I'm going to get that third one, too. The trifecta. Trifecta. The tri- Minahan trifecta. I'd if I got the Minahan trifecta. Oof. Good luck. No, they're great, great family, great friends, neighbors. So be on the lookout, Chuck Minahan, Gateway Financial. Again, Matt, thank you so much. Thank you, Be Mr. on the lookout Feeney. for his book, his speak up. You can go see Mr. Feeney speak up about Mrs. Jarrell, my favorite teacher of all time. She hired me. Um, it was an honor and, and it just felt special to, to talk about her for eight minutes. And thank you for allowing that to happen. Her family was in the crowd. It meant a lot. My pleasure. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Dave. I'll see you guys soon.